Hey there, I'm Grace. And I'm Amelia. And welcome to the Women Invest in Real Estate podcast, where we talk about getting started in real estate, scaling, and we give you the inside scoop about our day-to-days as full-time investors. Hey there, are you looking for those deep, real-life, in-person connections with fellow female investors and business owners? We're so excited to announce our next WIRE retreat, March 2nd through 5th in Salt Lake City, Utah. Our retreats are the highlight of our year. They're an intensive weekend spent talking all about big goals, strategizing, masterminding, and fun. Registration is now open on our website, and this will sell out quickly, so be sure to reserve your spot now. Visit womeninvestinrealestate.com slash SLC to sign up. Welcome back, everybody, to the Women Invest in Real Estate podcast. We got a great request on Instagram to talk about low and no money down deals that we've done. So we're going to do just that today. So we have three different examples for you. We're going to walk through them and we'll start with Amelia's. This is a single family portfolio of four single family houses that I partnered with my parents on in April of 2021. And how I found the deal was there was a local investor in my small town who had posted one of his houses on Facebook Marketplace. And by the time I got around to calling him, which was only like a day or two later, he actually already had that house under contract. But because I'm a little investigator, I went to the county assessor website and realized that he had a couple other single family homes homes in the area. And generally when an older investor starts listing one or two houses, they're probably in the market to sell off a large portion, if not all of their portfolio. So at that point, I asked him if he would be willing to sell me the other single family houses that he owned and we could do a package deal on them. It was a win-win for him and me because he was able to sell them all to one person, didn't have to go through the hassle of listing them all individually. He knew that we would be able to close on the properties. There wouldn't be a delay. So it was a 30-day close on all four of the properties. And so, yeah, it worked out. We drug my dad along kicking and screaming. He absolutely (laughs) did not want to purchase these. This is pretty usual for him. You know, I had all the financials written out when I showed my parents what it was going to look like. And it was a killer deal no matter how you sliced it. So So did you partner 50-50? Did you say that? We partnered 50-50, but actually the way we financed it, none of us had to come out of pocket for anything. So Okay. And then I have a few questions before you get into the financing. So did you, I forget, did you know he had other houses for sale or you just knew if he's selling something, he's probably got others? I knew only because I looked up on the assessor page who owned that original property he Mm, had for mm -hmm. sale. And then I searched by that entity to see all the other properties that he owned. Okay, got it. All right. Yeah, let's hear the numbers. Okay, so... This, and before I think we get into the numbers, I think you need to understand from a lender's perspective, like a bank lender, they are looking to protect themselves as well. And most banks are willing to only go up to 80% LTV of the property, so loan to value. So they're generally not going to give you 100% of whatever you're buying the property for because they want you to have a vested interest and have some skin in the game, have some money in the game. So we were working with a small local lender, which is my preferred way to borrow money because I they're a little bit more flexible, easy to work with, like to lend money to investors. So that's the background there. 
But basically, I knew that we were getting a really good price on these houses and that they should appraise for what I thought would be well over their ARV. So I went to the local lender and I said, hey, we're getting a great deal on these. If these appraise for more than what we're purchasing them for, is it okay if we just come with, you know, 80% of basically the appraised value and whatever the difference is between 80% of the appraised value and the purchase price? that's what we come to closing with. So I hope that makes sense. Grace, I don't know if you're following, but yeah. So basically you're saying, Hey, can we count the instant equity that we get towards our down payment? Exactly. That's exactly it. So to give you a little bit of the numbers and I'll try to like break this down as easily as possible because it's hard if you're a visual person just like listening in, but hopefully you can follow here. So house A, B, C, and D were purchased for 60, 30, 50, and 85,000 respectively for a total of 225. That was what we had them under contract for. And 20% down of 225 would have been 45,000. So if these all appraised for exactly what we had them under contract for and we had no built in equity, we would have had to come to the closing table with $45,000. Right. But that 20% that you're talking about. Yes. The bank wants 20%. And then quick question. Did you guys negotiate the prices individually? Yes. Obviously. Because yeah. you know. Okay, interesting. I wondered if he I was wondering yeah. how that works when people negotiate a, a chunk. Yeah. So we negotiated them individually. I will say, however, that the negotiations were very like short and sweet. Like he kind of was just like, What do you think these properties are worth? Blah, blah, blah. And I mean, I obviously lowballed him a little bit and was like, hey, you're getting a good deal because we're buying all of them in a chunk. So we want a little bit of a deal on them, uh, yada, yada. So it didn't take that long to agree on a price. Mm-hmm. Okay. So total 225 for all of them. Well, Property A was under contract for 60. It came back at a $65,000 appraised value. So let me explain how this works with the bank having built in equity. So $65,000 at 80% LTV is $52,000. So then you take $60,000 minus the $52,000 to get a difference of $8,000. That is what we had to bring to the table to get that LTV, all that equity up to 80%. So just a standard 20% down at the $60,000 purchase price, we would have had to come to the table with $12,000. But because it appraised for sixty-five, dollars we were actually able to come to the table with only $8,000 for that property. So we saved about $4,000 there, which is great. Property two, very similar under contract for 30, appraised for 35. So 80% of 35 is 28,000. So then the difference between 28,000 and three, 30,000, which is what we had it under contract for is 2,000. So only had to come to the table with 2,000 there versus 6,000 if it would have been 20% down of the original 30,000. C was 50,000. It actually appraised for 60,000. So that was great. So 60,000 times 80% is 48,000. So that's a difference of 2,000. Only had to come to the table with 2000 there, which was great. And then the last house was under contract for 85000 It appraised for ninety, so 80% of 90000 is 72000 So 85 minus 72 is 13000 which is what we had to come to the table with. So all in to sum that up, we basically had to bring 25000 to the closing table because we already had 20000 worth of built-in equity in the properties. So we saved ourselves about $20,000 because remember, originally we would have had to come with 45,000 down, but 
we only had to come with 25 and that's just the beginning of this deal. So yeah, Grace, you still following? Yes, I'm following. And then did the bank, did they get this right away? Like, yep, we'll give you your, your built-in equity or did you have to kind of explain? No, they understood right away. I actually, before we even had the appraisals done or anything, I asked them like, hey, I'm pretty sure we're getting a really good deal on these. You know, if the appraisals come back at what I think they come back at, are supposed to come back at, are you able to count that equity towards our down payment? And they were good with that. They understood what that meant. Yep. Okay, got it. Okay, so to dive in a little bit further, just because I think this is interesting, two of the four houses were vacant and the tenants had just moved out and two of the tenants or two of the houses actually still had tenants in them. So we occupied or we assumed two inherited tenants and the rents for both of those were 600 and 650. And immediately after close, I actually bumped them up from 600 to 675, which is a 12 and a half percent increase, which, you know, $75 doesn't seem like that big of an increase. But when you're working on such a small scale, if you think about like a 12% increase, that's a lot, but these were severely under market value. And then the other was at 650 and that actually got bumped up to 745. So that was a 14% increase. And I actually didn't hear a peep out of the tenants when I raised their rent. They're still in there today, almost a year and a half later. And I've never heard a single thing from them. They pay rent on time every single month. And that's why I love single family long-term rentals. I don't really have a ton in my portfolio portfolio. But if you're thinking about self-managing and you just, yeah, if you just own a single family, don't pay a property manager 10%. That is a waste of money. It really is. (laughs) Property, they're so easy. They treat the property more respectfully. They really treat it as a home. Uh, Most likely single family tenants are going to be there for a lot longer than apartment tenants. So there's not as much turnover. And if you need help on self-managing, we have a course, Property Management Academy. It's on our website. It goes through all about self-managing your rentals. I highly recommend it. And the reason that single families are so easy is because like Amelia said, they stay longer. Think about a house. A house can accommodate a growing family. It can accommodate multiple people. You don't share the yard. You don't share utilities. You don't share the driveway. All those factors that you would have to manage in an apartment, you don't manage with a single family. They do their lawn. They do their snow removal. And that is what makes it so easy. Most of the time, you're just collecting rent. There's really nothing to manage besides any repairs, which is nice. You don't have tenants fighting. You don't have them complaining about noise. All of that exactly that comes with multifamily. And quite frankly, I can't imagine that in a year and a half, there isn't, there hasn't been something that they probably could have submitted a maintenance request for at either one of these properties. But they also, single family tenants, I've found tend to be more independent and they're probably like, I'll just fix this $50 whatever, rather than contact the landlord, schedule a time for them to be there, blah, blah, blah. Like they're just going to take care of it themselves. And if you think about that, it's because a single family probably has a garage. They've probably got some tools like in an apartment. You don't have room for that. It is typically younger people who maybe are living by themselves. They don't know how to do things. They Maybe it's the first time living by themselves. So all those different factors culminate into single family is easy. Exactly. Okay. So back to the numbers and I love the numbers. This is like why I invest in real estate because I think making money is so fun and running through the numbers is great. 
We only had to come with $25,000 down. And actually how we funded the down payment, and I wouldn't necessarily say that if you're not good with money or this is your first time, like maybe don't do this, but we actually took money from a line of credit and paid for the down payment with that line of credit because we knew that we would be able to pay that line of credit off. No problem. It's only $25,000 first of all. So our plan to pay back that line of credit was originally going to be to flip one of the houses in this portfolio. And I love that strategy, buy in bulk and then flip one of them to pay off, to use to pay off what you have into the properties. I love that. But then of course we bought all four and we were like, oh, we actually want to keep all of these. So the line of credit is really cool. So it's a 6% interest and no payments for a year. It's accruing interest during that time. Don't get me wrong, but we weren't having to make payments. So we had about a year, which in our eyes was plenty of time to figure out, okay, how are we going to pay this 25000 off in a lump sum? Are we just going to roll that into like our mortgage payment and basically pay a little bit more each month? Like, what are we going to do here? So At 6% interest, $25,000 is $125 a month if we were to pay the interest every month. But what we did instead, what's that? Which is nothing. Exactly. That's literally nothing. So we bought the cupcake flip. And if you guys follow me on Instagram, I posted about the cupcake flip. A cupcake flip is just a really quick and easy cosmetic flip. This was a two bed, one bath, super cute, didn't need any exterior stuff done. It was all just interior, had wood panel walls and shag carpet. I think we literally pretty much just painted it and put in new floors and made about 30,000 off of that. And that is what we then ended up using to pay off our $25,000 line of credit. So we technically have no money left in this deal. It was, it's almost like a in a weird sort of way, but we have none of our own money left in this deal. And we had the line of credit for about 10 months. So 10 months times 125 a month is 1,250. So we did end up having to pay 1,250 in interest plus the $25,000 down payment. So our cash on cash return for this portfolio, which is your yearly income, your yearly cash flow after all expenses divided by the money that you have in the deal was so our yearly cash flow was $15,792 divided by 26,250 which was our $25,000 down payment plus the interest from the line of credit is a 60% cash on cash return which is a home run in my opinion even if we would have had to pay the $45,000 down, that would have still been a 35% cash on cash return. So going back to when my dad was, you know, bitching and, <laughs> bitching and moaning about this deal. Kicking and screaming. Yeah, kicking and screaming. He, we still, it was a 35% cash on cash return. It was an amazing deal. Ended up being about 60%. But honestly, I feel like in my books, it's 100% cash on cash because we don't have any money left in the deal. So I really like this portfolio. It's been really easy. We have had to pour a lot of money into the big, big four bed, two and a half bath. There were some bats in the attics. We put a new roof on it, but we'll be able to sell that one for a really big profit if we ever decide to flip it and not keep it as a rental anymore. Because quite frankly, it's a little bit too nice for a rental, but we actually have an ophthalmologist in there right now and she's an amazing tenant. So we'll keep it as a rental as long as she's there and then we'll probably reevaluate once she moves out. But 
sell it to her. I actually think we might. And I think she might be interested because she's actually installed this really gorgeous ceramic tile backsplash in the kitchen. She painted a couple of the rooms, of course, with our permission. She's done some really nice work to it (laughs) just because I think she really likes it. And I think she either one wants to rent there for a long time or possibly buy it. So yeah, that's great. If you're wondering like about the financing just all around, it was a bank loan at four and a half percent. 20-year amortization with a five-year arm, which means it's an adjustable rate mortgage. So in five years, the interest rate will be reassessed and either go up or down depending on what the market's doing. But no money left in the deal. And yeah, so that's just a way to think about it. And you can buy in bulk. And if you buy under market value, you can have built-in equity, which allows you to bring less money to the table. So not your traditional creative financing, but just another way to think about real estate investing. Yeah. And not all banks are going to be as gung-ho, but we always say that is why you have to talk to multiple banks and until somebody tells you yes. And that is exactly what I did on the deal that I'm going to share about very similar to Amelia's, I wanted to utilize the instant equity that we were buying into. So what it was is this was my second deal ever. At the time, we had one single family home that we were under construction and I wanted to buy two duplexes, so four units for $255,000 in Cedar Rapids, Iowa. So 20% down would have been $51,000. I absolutely did not have $51,000. I was 23 years old at the time, a year into my W-2. I just did not have that. The good thing was I started real estate with my boyfriend. So we would have been able to split that 50-50, but still I didn't even have $26,000. So what we did is I knew this was such a good deal. And the reason it was a good deal is because somebody I knew knew the owner of the these four units. And he had a wholesaler approach him and basically talk him down to his bottom dollar and didn't really know what a wholesaler was. And this third person who knew who a wholesaler was, he was an investor. He told the owner, hey, sell to Grace. If you sell to this wholesaler, they're going to jack up the rents. They're going to kick you out. Like you don't know what you're doing. Also, that contract is a piece of crap. It's like four sentences long and basically holds them to nothing. (laughs) (laughs) The contract was hilarious. Um, It was literally like five bullet points. Um, Well, that's another thing too, though, because one of the owners of the duplex actually lived there, right? Yes. So he didn't want his rent to get jacked up. So he's like, oh, okay. Yeah. Right. That's the reason this third person was like, don't sell to the wholesaler. You won't be able to stay here. They're going to kick you out. So the wholesaler, sorry for them, but they did my job. They got him down to his bottom dollar. And then I just basically swooped in and he did not sign this contract. So I did not, there was nothing like I didn't crash somebody's contract or something. It was not signed. He just had the contract. And I got to see it. And I'm pretty sure it was an out-of-state investor who they were never planning to buy this. They were going to wholesale it. So I came in. I said, I'll take it at 255 Obviously, we were going to use a bank loan. So he agreed to 255 So right away, I call a bank. And the original bank I had used to buy my first deal was not about the instant equity thing. They didn't really know us. We'd only done one project and it wasn't even complete. So they have no idea, you know, if we can say what we, if we can do what we say we're going to do and how well we are with our numbers. So I went to a second bank and this bank I had been banking with personally my whole life. My parents had banked there. My grandparents had banked there. So 
I called them and I actually got on the phone with the VP. It's a small bank. So VP, I don't know, there's maybe 15, 20 employees, not that big of a deal. And I say, Hey, I've got this deal, 255,000. The rent is 2,800. All of the tenants have been there for four plus years. They've never paid late. The units are all in good shape. You know, they're not leaving. There's no risk. I'm not doing any rehab, but I know that these units are worth like at least 300. So how about you let me put all of that instant equity as my down payment. And I'm 23 years old on the phone with the <laughs> VP and he's kind of like, what? Like what? Well, actually, I think at first I was on the phone with the underwriter and he literally said, one sec, let me go get the VP. So then they put it on speaker and it's those two on one end of the line and me on the other end. I'm explaining <laughs> what I want to do. And they're not, you know, and they're like, well, you know, that's risky on our end because X, Y, Z, blah, 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 blah. So we settle at 10% down which saves me $26,000. So I'm like, okay, I can do 10% down. That's amazing. That's only 26K. 20% down would have been 51,000. So that is a world of difference. But I still was, again, this was a few years ago. So I also had to qualify for this loan. My boyfriend was not employed at the time. I was newly employed. I didn't really want to spend what would have been 13K. That was probably like most of my personal savings. Again, because this was my going to be my first cash flowing real estate because my first deal was still under construction. We were spending so much money on it. So I said to my sister, hey, you want to get in on this three ways? We'll split the down payment. You'll help us qualify for the loan in case there's any issue there. And so then I only had to come up with, I think it was $8,500. So I went from $51,000 down payment <laughs> to coming up with $8,500, which I could do. And that was awesome. Closed I love on it. it. Yeah. Big sister Malia to the rescue. Yeah. I was like, Malia, <laughs> do you want to give me your money? And you can own this real estate with me. It's, and- a, it's a win-win though, because she gets the tax benefits. She gets Absolutely. that monthly cash flow. Like this is a win-win all the way around. And she had a great job and was not in real estate. So this was good for her because she could invest just 8,500 to, like you said, get the cash flow, the tax benefits, the appreciation, the debt pay down and do nothing. She helped me repaint one of the units and clean one of the units. But other than that, really like she, it's such a win-win because we needed that money. We needed her W-2 and then she gets to help us with that and then not do a lot for some cash flow. So speaking of cash flow, at the time it rented for twenty eight hundred. It now rents for forty two ten. However, one of those units I converted to a midterm rental, so that one rents for sixteen hundred, I believe. So that is double all the other units. And I don't know the cash flow off the top of my head, but I would say it's probably around at least a thousand dollars. We have not refinanced. This is also a five-year arm. I think it was 4.5, maybe 4.125, something like that. And I think they are at least worth probably more like 350. I love it. You bought both duplexes for 255 total, right? Not a piece. Yeah. That's a I love it. That's an amazing deal. I love Iowa investing. I know. And don't all just... you people out there come to Iowa and start investing. But <laughs> no, I'm just But also I think the reason it works for us, Amelia, is because this deal I knew because I knew somebody who stuck their neck out for me and said, sell the grace. You knew that other landlord, you know. And so yep. for somebody who doesn't know the area, who doesn't have the connections, it is gonna be a lot harder to come exactly. out here and, and make those deals. You can still do it, 
but the relationships go a long way. Exactly. And to be able to, you know, convert one to a midterm rental and all of like you knew that there was a demand for that. So you had insight into the community to be able to know that like you uh-huh. wouldn't necessarily know that from an outsider's perspective. So we yeah. do have a, a, advantages in our markets because they're in our backyards. Right. This one is literally 15 minutes away from me. But the other good thing is for comps, you know, this is again, my first my second deal. So I wasn't super confident in comps, but for some reason, this neighborhood is like all duplexes. So I was able to find, and this does not happen in Iowa because the population is not big enough, but literally one house away, two house away, perfect comps, like literally the exact same duplex renovated. (laughs) So I knew, you know, what those values were. And I knew putting 10% down was not going to over leverage me. They never did an appraisal. They did an in-house bank appraisal and of course appraised it for exactly what we bought it at. But I know if I appraised them or sold them right now, we'd be well in the clear. And I feel really good about, I would say these two properties are probably one of my best deals. Yeah. Don't get us started on appraisals and appraisers. (laughs) That's why like- Especially on in-house bank appraisal. Those are hilarious. Yeah. I knew. So like on my deal- if I went to sell these on the open market now, they only appraised for like about five, between five and 10 more than we had them under contract for. But if I literally had turned around the next day and sold them to uh, someone that an owner occupied buyer, they would have appraised for whatever day it was under contract for. So right. if we bought something for 60,000, I could have turned around and listed it for 90 and sold it for 90. And it would have appraised for 90. It's just a racket, in my opinion. But yeah, it is. We still both got really good deals. And these aren't even necessarily the traditional creative financing that you would think of. Our next example is, but like there's so many different ways to be creative, especially if you're working with a small local bank. And you have a relationship with them, which in both situations, Amelia had had a relationship business-wise and I had had a relationship personally. So now this first bank that I said had said no, now that we have a business relationship, I think they would say yes and be a lot more willing to do it if I were to bring them a deal like this. Yeah, exactly. Okay. So do we want to go into our final example, which actually is the first and only deal that Grace and I have partnered on together. And it is technically under that umbrella of creative financing. Yeah. This was a fun one because A, it's creative financing and B, we got to work together a little bit. Nothing crazy. Amelia had a deal. She knew I did creative financing. She had a deal she wanted to buy in her hometown. So she said, hey, you want a partner so that we can buy it creatively and you know try to get this for like no money down, which we did. So the purchase price was $38,940. The important thing to know about this deal is this seller was actually moving. She just didn't really want a house anymore. She wanted to move and move into an apartment. So she didn't need that payoff today, you know, the day of closing. So we were able to negotiate with her. How about we pay you one year after closing so that we can fix it up and flip it or or do whatever with it. And that was the initial plan was to just do some paint, some flooring and sell it for, we said we bought it for 38. I don't know. I think we talked about 60, 70. So just make a really quick little bit of money for not that much work. Any comments before I go on, Amelia? 
No, I think that really, that's a good summary. And one other thing that I will add about the seller, and I don't know if this is too premature, but this also worked creatively because she did not want to list with the realtor. Yes. She didn't want people coming through her house and looking at her things. Mm-hmm. She didn't want to have to, you know, clean it. We also told her she could leave anything she didn't want to mm-hmm. take with her in the house and we would take care of it. So, you know, it was a win-win for everybody involved. Totally. And she was a single older lady. She didn't want to move all this furniture from three bedrooms that had been there forever. She knew there were things that needed to be fixed with the house. It was an older house. And like Amelia said, she was someone who I think got stressed out easily. So she was like, whatever is the easiest, let's do that. I don't want to do a realtor. I don't want to do open houses. None of it. So she was a perfect person for creative financing. And she saw the benefits of selling to us. One other thing, she also knew me. She knew that I bought houses. She's actually one of my really good friend's moms. And I'd actually talked to her probably a year prior and told her, hey, when you're ready to sell, I'll buy your house from you. Mm -hmm. So I'd already planted that seed a year earlier, which I think is a good lesson. Make sure you're telling people that you buy houses. You never know where a deal can come from. Exactly. You got to tell everybody. So moving forward, we close on the house. I think we were closing costs were maybe like $1,000, which Amelia and I covered because again, we're not giving her the money. So we can't expect her to pay the closing costs. We're giving her the money a year from closing up to a year. So our initial plan was to paint flooring, whatever. The furnace actually went out, which we knew during when it was under contract and we adjusted the purchase price to end at a final purchase price of $38,940 for it. Basically, plans kind of changed. We ended up putting a renter in who was okay with the, we got a furnace in, put a renter in who paid $700. Is that correct, Amelia? Yes, exactly. And they were actually moving out of a strange situation. So they were totally fine with all the furniture being there Mm -hmm. as well. They actually just assumed it as is other than we put a new furnace in. They're still in there today. But yeah, that's that's basically sums it up so far. Yeah. So then because we had okay, we've already got a cash flowing renter in there. Do we still want to do this plan of trying to fix it up and sell it? Or would it actually make more sense if Amelia, you just refinance it on your own so that I come off of the deed and you own it 100% because Amelia got the cash flowing renter in there. There's no point of me really being in the deal. We got it under contract the way we wanted to, but we ended up kind of going a different way. So we decided to refinance that Amelia could own it 100%. Again, this is in Amelia's backyard, not mine. So there wasn't really any point of me holding on to the property. And we only had 12 months anyways with our term to either sell or refinance or pay off that lump sum. And this whole time we were paying her $420 underlying mortgage. So we are cash flowing around two, $300. So we, what was it like July or August? So maybe five, six months in Amelia refinances with her local bank. So that basically I'm selling my half to her. And mm-hmm. because we had got it for under, so and then it appraised for 60 or 65,000. I think it was 65 and that's a whole other thing. The appraiser called me and was basically like, what do you need this to appraise for? (laughs) It's just, like I said, it's a racket in my opinion, but yeah. So continue, Grace, about 65, 60. Right. And, but we bought it for 38. 
So there's mm-hmm. a big difference there, but we did put in, I believe it was around 10 K, you know, the furnace, some other random, some plumbing. I remember yeah. our closing costs, our insurance, whatever. So we're still have a good chunk of equity. So when Amelia goes to refinance, it's the same situation as the first two deals where she was able, because she was essentially selling to herself. She didn't have to come up with the whole 20% down which was super beneficial because that was the whole point of doing a creative deal. So we don't have to come up with the money. So I didn't put all those numbers together, but I know Amelia, you ended up having to come up with around $5,000 at closing to own this house a hundred percent. Exactly. And again, I actually partnered with my parents on this. However, they were just like, we'll be in on it, but you are coming up with the money for this one. They've come up with the money in the past on a couple deals. So they're like, oh, you, you know, you're your turn. <laughs> yeah, your turn. So I came up with the 5000 and my mom absolutely loves the house. It's like an old farmhouse. And when the current renters move out, she really wants to flip it and sell it. So that's probably our plan. But in the meantime, we plan on just keeping it until the current tenant are ready to move. It's a single family. So who knows how long that'll be. They could be in there for five years. They've got a couple kids in school. So it could be a while. But uh, yeah, that's the sum of that. And one other thing to add is that this was a wrap mortgage. And I don't necessarily know if we cover that 100%. But we got it under contract for around 38, 39,000. But we basically wrapped our mortgage around the seller's mortgage. So we were just paying what she was paying for insurance, paying her property taxes. And then like Grace said, within a year, we planned on paying her out in full. So that is how that worked. And her mortgage, I believe was like 25,000. So she had like 15 ish of equity. And that was what she said. Yes, I'll wait one year for you to give me my equity. And it was so funny because I, I know that I'm pretty sure this mortgage, she had like 8% on an owner occupied home because she had bought it so long ago. And I remember seeing that just being like, why have you never refinanced that? Like that is crazy. But anyway, that's what happened. So then maybe eight months into it, she got, we went to a second closing table where Amelia bought me out. And then we essentially bought out her old mortgage. So she got to walk away with her equity, which was like 13,000. Exactly. I'm trying to think of an easy way to explain that. But basically, we bought it from her for let's just use 40,000. Super simple. She only actually owed 25 on it. So at the end Mm -hmm. of the contract, when the bank's writing all the checks, she gets that difference between the $40,000 that we bought it from her for and the 25 that she owed on it. So like around 15,000. And she was totally happy with that. Mm -hmm. Easiest 15,000 she's ever made in her life. (laughs) Exactly. So that was it. So basically what we're trying to say is don't be afraid to kind of wheel and deal with your bank. Some of them will say no, but some of them also might be interested to what you have to say, especially if they know and they like you and they know that you can get the deal done. So the first deal you do, maybe you won't be able to wheel and deal as much, but as you establish that relationship, definitely see and ask and make sure you're exploring those options. Exactly. We hope you liked the breakdown of a couple of these deals. And as always, if you have any recommendations for podcast episodes, feel free to DM us on Instagram. We love getting your requests Mm -hmm. and we will catch you in the next episode. Thank you. Thanks so much for tuning in. If you loved today's episode, please leave us a five-star review wherever you listen to your podcasts. And don't forget to check us out and join our community at womeninvestinrealestate.com and follow us on Instagram at wirewithtwoeyes.community.